Hey friends, before we get to today's episode, I want to talk to you about unicorns. You know I think we're all unicorns because we have special gifts and talents, and because we're all so special, it's important that we invest in things that will help us get to the next level. In fact, 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save big off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit HubSpot.com slash startups. mention gratitude because gratitude is is everything to me building out a gratitude practice in your life and being intentional about inserting gratitude in your life and not just like cognitively knowing what i'm grateful for but really trying to feel gratitude in your body and like visualizing the things that you're grateful for and experiencing it and like really looking to open up your heart space i think was really healing for me and what it does is Through that journey of uncertainty, through that transitional period, there will be ups and downs that are unavoidable, but that sense of gratitude allows you to really appreciate and find the perfection in whatever moment you are in that journey. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, your host and resident storyteller, and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. No Straight Path is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are digging into the human stories behind success, and my hope, as always, is that you leave the conversation inspired, motivated, and excited about your journey. I hope y'all are having a great week. We are continuing the Kickstarter for the podcast year anniversary, and we are crowdfunding for year two of No Straight Path. This is the last week of the Kickstarter. We have a few more days to contribute so we can reach our goal. I'm excited. So if this podcast has added value to your life, just take a quick pause, go to the show notes, click on that Kickstarter link, and consider supporting the cause, donating to the cause, sharing it with your network. I appreciate y'all so much, and I am just really excited about year two. All right. I am also excited about today's guest, Jelani Jenkins. My friend Spencer Pacinger actually connected us, so you might remember Spencer Pacinger's episode. He shares his story of pivoting from the NFL to writer slash producer, and today we have another story about an athlete's pivot into a different world. Jelani is such a wonderful and thoughtful human, and unsurprisingly, I loved our conversation. Before we get to the interview, I'd like to tell you a bit more about him. So Jelani Jenkins is a five-year NFL vet and certified mental performance coach. He's also the founder and CEO of Postseason, a social learning app that helps athletes continue their growth, success, and fulfillment beyond sports. Jelani built his coaching practice in response to the challenges he went through after retiring from the NFL. Built on two key principles, his practice focuses on self-discovery and self-mastery. And through mindset training, he helps athletes and high performers overcome their subconscious limitations to achieve their goals quicker, easier, and just with more fulfillment. 
In 2021, Forbes magazine highlighted Jelani and his company Postseason for their mission to empower athletes for life after sports. And Postseason was actually selected as a finalist out of 100 plus applicants at the LA Sports and Innovation Conference sponsored by Startup Showdown LA. Jelani recently moved from LA to the DMV area with his wife and children. And of course, I asked about his lovely family. I just love the cute updates that he shares on social media. But as you all know, we're here to get the story behind the social media highlights. So let's get to it. All right, Jelani, thank you so much for coming on No Straight Path. We've connected in the past through postseason, through your company, and I just loved learning a little bit about your journey. I'm excited to learn more today. So thank you. I'm excited to be here. You know, I love storytelling. So let's dive into it. Yes, yes, fellow storyteller. So yeah, let's start with the beginning of your story. Let's start with your childhood. Can you tell me about your upbringing, about your family, about some of the values that they instilled in you? And perhaps we can see how little Jelani shows up in the work you're doing today and who you are as a human today. Yeah. It's very interesting because I'm sitting in my childhood home. I just recently made a move from L.A. back to Maryland, and I just happened to be recording this at my childhood home. And I'm looking at my backyard right now, and it's nostalgic. But, you know, what I remember most about childhood was just being surrounded with a very powerful village, one that instilled values in me that still I hold on to this day. One of those main values being just respecting my ancestors and respecting kind of where we came from and being proud to be a black man. I was put into a small independent African-centered school called Roots Activity Learning Center in D.C. And, you know, we wore dashikis at our graduation. We started every morning with like the African drums and we would tap into that proudness, you know, that pride and being in our history and learning our history early on. And so that was kind of instilled in my household, as well as a respect for the divine. We went to church all the time. We prayed all the time and just a respect for education and and knowledge. So, you know, it was a high standard that I had on me when I went to school to bring home good grades and my entire career is going into sports it was always just an avenue to do more, to create more impact. And education was always the the foundation of me continuing to play sports. Like if I didn't come home with the good grades, they would have took me out ASAP. So mm-hmm. yeah, those are just sort of the values and kind of the, the childhood that I had. I always felt like I was covered and protected and, and I always respected sort of the environment that was put around me. I knew that it was going to take me to where I wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. I love that so much. And that's such a really cool and unique upbringing, especially with the school roots. Like I actually, I don't know if I know about a school like that in LA. It probably exists, but I'm curious about your family and who they were and how did that inform their decision to send you to that kind of school? Because it is a bit different. Yeah, it is. I guess it starts back with my Maybe my great-grandfather, maybe earlier than that, but my great-grandfather, he's a civil rights activist. He he passed away, but he was really close with Dr. King. He did a lot of work in Charleston, South Carolina. He's featured in the African-American Smithsonian Museum in D.C. for his campaign to help Charleston, South Carolina, African-Americans 
teach them how to use their voting rights. He had this whole bus system where he would bus people from the country into the city for the schools because they weren't able to get onto the buses because they were black. And he was a civil rights leader and he raised his children that way. So my grandfather, he was an African American history teacher. He went through a whole lot in order to teach African history. He got locked up over, my dad tells me, over like 30 times, you know, just getting picked on and people knowing that his father was a civil rights leader. My grandfather, he passed away, but he instilled those lessons in my parents' generation, my father and his siblings. And, you know, it just kind of kept trickling down. Jelani went on to tell me about his grandparents' home in Charleston, South Carolina. There's a room called the Heritage Room. When you walk in, there are photos and artifacts celebrating Black history and culture. And his dad further instilled this pride for Black culture through his work as an architect. His dad actually painted a mural on the side of Jelani's elementary school, Roots, which featured a Black Jesus with various civil rights leaders, including Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. He also made sure to include Jelani and his brother in the mural. I thought this was such a beautiful way to grow up, a beautiful foundation built upon a celebration of Black culture. I was curious about how Jelani was as a child. I would say I was definitely more quiet, a little bit more shy growing up, creative, always like wanting to go outside and play in the backyard, but I was the type to climb trees and be all up in nature, diving into the, the leaves. Always wanted to be outside. Obviously, like loving sports and loving the competitive nature of sports. I had an older brother. He's seven years older than me. He used to pick on me, <laughs> but he used to always. But he also, I found like that grit and kind of wanting to beat him, you know, and he used to really push me and my father used to push me. And so I always wanted to sort of play with the bigger kids, I would say. And I was always competitive. I always wanted to like beat them and in, in everything. But at the same time, I think most people would really classify me as like a gentle spirit, like a, like a gentle heart. I was always like kind and nice and wanting to like put other people sort of ahead of my feelings. Like I would let my friends sleep on the bed. I'll sleep on the floor. Like I, I was just naturally that way. Wow. That is so yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite. Like, you know, listen, I'm a kind human. But the bed thing, like the running joke in the family is when there's a family vacation, oh, Ashley's got to get the bed. We got to make sure yeah. Ashley has a bed because <laughs> it's terrible. Like I'm the only child kind of, I don't know if I, they used to use the word bossy. Mm. You know, we say leadership skills now. Mm-hmm. Leadership but skills, think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's a great trait. I love that. I love that. Yeah. No, I get it though. I get it. Yeah. So I want to get to the work that you're doing today. So Can you tell me about that pivotal moment in your career, in your journey that set you on the trajectory of where you're at right now, building this amazing company? Yeah. So when I was finishing up my career in the NFL, I played five years. 2018 was my final year. I was all the way in California. One of the last teams I played for, the Oakland Raiders. So I was a bit out of my element. I was in a brand new area. And I was really lost. Like when I stopped playing football, I didn't know where I wanted to go. I didn't know who I wanted to be. I was excited in one hand because it felt like I had a world of opportunities to dive into. I had an opportunity to dive in back into my creativity, 
that I feel like I put on the back burner for football. So I was reigniting that. But at the same time, I was also like grieving a loss of like my inner athlete and what that represented and what that meant. And I was really running away from that for a lot of reasons that I didn't know at the time. But that moment in time was some of the most challenging moments in time because I really didn't feel whole. I didn't feel grounded and I felt lost. And I kind of saw like my bank account just dwindling. I kind of felt like I was going like on a fast track backwards. And there was a point in time where I really, really, really had a real moment where I knew I needed support. I tell this story all the time, but I was like really locked into uh, this video game and my wife, she just got a new Polaroid camera and she took a picture of me. It was like the first picture she took and she took a picture of me and that picture really gave me a real glimpse of where I was at because I had like this headphones on. I was I had this video game playing. I had like a big old bong in front of me and like like two empty plates around me and clothes all over the couch. I found myself thinking I was multitasking and getting work done, but really I was just like not in my element. And I I could tell when I looked at that picture that I wasn't happy, although I was like giving off the the belief as if I was in a good place. Like I could look at myself and be like, no, I'm not. I'm not in a good place. And so that moment led me to reach out and ask for help. And I reached out to the, the head of player development with the Miami Dolphins, Caleb Thornhill. And he connected me to someone who's now my mentor, one of my mentors, he connected me to Tony Robbins. He, he was a, a VIP member of Tony Robbins, all of his events. And so I had like a VIP pass to one of his Unleash the Power Within events. I got a chance to meet him. And that really just opened up my mind to like this whole new element of like being on stage, and like coaching people and really tapping into the power of the mind. And that's that's one thing that besides like the history, the African history and, and like being proud of who I was, my father was also like a big supporter in my athletic career, particularly with teaching me about the power of the mind. And as an architect, as an artist, he was so good at creating like a an environment that subliminally put me on like a mental paradigm that was higher than most people around me. So for example, if you walk into my room in this house that my dad built, there's like a huge larger than life, larger than me painting of me like running with this football and surrounding me are like Hall of Fame football players. And so like I'm on like the Hall of Fame wall with a bunch of other Hall of Fame football players. And I, I went to sleep in that room every single day, seeing myself in this Hall of Fame room. And we used to watch like a bunch of Muhammad Ali videos and a bunch of like just just watching highlights of like Walter Payton and a lot of these these football Hall of Famers. And he would just always be preaching these affirmations like they can't stop you. They can't stop you. Every time you touch the ball, you're supposed to score. You're a man among boys. Like, you know, if when you're in high school, you're playing at a college level, but everyone around you is in high school. Like you're always playing above the level. He used to just always just be speaking to me this way and like having me repeat these affirmations. So I say all that to say, when I went through my transition out of sports and I got reconnected with the idea of like connecting with the power of the mind and healing that inner athlete, it allowed me to kind of review like what made me great as an athlete. And I I was able to pinpoint like, oh, it was the teaching that I got at a young age about 
the power of my mind and how I use yeah. that to really put myself above a lot of the competition. And so I started reading a bunch of books and like really got passionate again about tapping into like, what does that mean? The power of the mind? How do I tap back into that? And that made me read this book called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, who you might've heard of. You're a runner. Yeah. Yeah, David Goggins. And I ran my first marathon in like 10 weeks of reading that book because the whole book is about like reaching into your mind and extracting even more than you even thought you were capable of. And I wanted to do that in order to like prove to myself that I was able to help others tap into the power of their mind. So how that like kind of gets me to where I'm at today, I initially wanted to help athletes who were in a particular space as I was in really overcome a lot of their limitations mentally, a lot of their blockages mentally, and tap into a greater version of themselves that they thought was even possible. Because I didn't know I had the possibility to be a, a tech CEO and have all the success. Yeah. There was a limiting belief. It was a, it was a blockage in my mind. And so I wanted to help others. And I still want to help others do the same. And that kind of led me down the path of what I'm doing now with postseason. And postseason is just a platform that kind of encompasses all of that. I want to, yeah, you dive in. No, I love that. Before we get to what we do, what you do at postseason, look at we. See, I'm already, like, I'm really a part of the team. (laughs) Oh, now you're in it. You're in the family. It's official. (laughs) Yes. But I just want to take a pause really quickly because that's such an inspirational journey. And I think it's just a few things. Number one, it took that picture for you to really look and to see yourself and to see how you were really living to kind of make a change, which is so fascinating and interesting because you're kind of just moving through life and you're not paying attention to what you're doing or how you're feeling. But it like it took the picture for you to see, wow, like this, this isn't me. This isn't how I want to move yeah. through my life. And so I love that moment. Shout out to your wife for taking that photo. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's such a, a great moment to reflect upon. And the other thing that's so interesting too, is just the power of the mind and how you've had this extremely successful career. It is extremely challenging and hard to get to the NFL. It is hard to get to the NFL and have a career for more than two years, right? And so for you to be able to achieve all of that, but not really have the confidence to venture into something else, it's something that a lot of us struggle with and deal with. And I wanted to get your perspective on that. Like, why do you think that is? Because so many of these skills that we build up in our life, they're transferable to so many different things. Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons. One is there's a bit of a language barrier. I know when I left the league, I felt like everyone was speaking a different language. Like, I, I didn't know what stocks were. Like, I didn't know, I didn't have the financial literacy to even like understand what people were saying. So it made me feel insecure because I'd walk into a room and and not know what was happening. Even um, Caleb Thornhill, he puts together these business combines. He started doing it my last year with the Dolphins. And I remember what he does is he, he gathers about 20 players. He would take us out to New York. We would meet with the owner of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross, who's like the top real estate developer in New York. We got a chance to meet with Gary Vaynerchuk like billion, like millionaire, billionaires and sit in their office and like get the opportunity to like shadow, you know, the owner of Equinox as he walks through. It was an amazing experience. And I remember like hearing them but not being able to grasp completely what they're talking about. And it had a lot to do with just the lack of experience. And so I think one of the reasons being 
just kind of the language barrier. It's like going to a new team and having to learn like the new lingo. That's one thing. And then I think it's just a a sort of paradigm that we fall into that um, life can't possibly be as exciting as it was when we were playing our sport. And, mm-hmm. you know, you learn quicker when you're excited about something, when you're passionate about something, there's emotion behind it. And if you don't truly believe, like, if you believe like your best days were behind you and like you'll never be able to have the excitement of being in front of a crowd again or whatever that was that got you amped up playing your sport, it can lead you to believe that, you know, that next phase is gonna is not going to be the same. And then you don't really necessarily pick up the information as quickly. So I think that's it. And I think that our entire lives carrying that identity of an, as an athlete, as a jock, if I'm thinking of like football players, we wear like our, our lettermans in high school and different things like that. You just kind of feel way out of your element. It's like a whole different world. I know I felt like a baby again when I left. <laughs> and I, yeah. I didn't, I really felt like a baby again. And then you're used to people like coddling you, you know, it's just a whole different world. So I think that's it. It's just, it's just different. Yeah, yeah. No, I love those insights because, and I think that it's applicable to so many different industries. I think that it was challenging for me to feel like I can go and learn a different industry until I started practicing law and had Mm -hmm. to take on different cases from various industries. Mm -hmm. One week I'd be an expert in oil and gas, and then the next couple of months I'd be an expert in the car industry and then the yeah. next, you know, like healthcare. So mm-hmm. it made me realize like I have this muscle that I can build, but beforehand I didn't really think I could do it. It's like you have to do it to actually see that you can do the thing. Yeah. Things are possible. You have to actually try to do it. And I felt like that in the transition with the podcast. Like I felt very at home when it came to interviewing because I do a lot of witness interviews in my work and I love Mm. interviewing people in general, but just like the whole marketing world. I didn't know what an impression was, CPM. There was all this language that felt very overwhelming. And I remember saying to myself, okay, I've done all these things in my life. I can figure it out. Yeah, for sure. I think sometimes we just don't take a pause to remember that we can learn new things and we can grow and there's different seasons in our life, pun yeah. intended, season <laughs> right, right, as right, athletes. Right. But yeah. so I love that insight. And you're right. You, and you were in a really cool industry. So you're different, right? You were this pro athlete. So yeah. I could see, you know, people think that that is definitely the height. And yeah. I want to know. Before we jump into postseason, I wanted to add a, another point that I think is really important. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it as well, because I, you're right. There is like this understanding of as being an athlete, like we got to this high level, like we can do that in another phase. And I actually had the confidence that I could do anything when I left playing the sport. But one of the things I ran into was not like fully understanding this new measurement of success. It was very easy to know why and how I was successful at playing football. Like there were stats. There were like, like I knew if I made a play, I immediately got that. The crowd would go crazy. I would see my coach get excited. I would immediately, I'd be able to like track how many tackles I got compared to yeah. how all the other linebackers in the league, how many tackles they got up to that point. And I knew I was successful based on being able to measure that level of success. And then the next phase, I was working like just as hard, harder maybe, but I had no idea of knowing how, if I was moving forward, you know what I mean? Like I didn't even know what success really meant anymore. And 
I was burning out because I didn't know if I was doing good or not. Like I had this invisible opponent in my head that was always faster than me, smarter than me, that was out there kind of doing what I was doing, but they were moving quicker than me. And I was overworking, trying to catch up, but I didn't even really know if I was doing the right thing. So that was weird for me. It was like not knowing what a win or loss meant (laughs) in the next phase of life. And I'm curious as a track athlete, who's used to like running and looking up and seeing your your score and like measuring that, how you knew that you were successful in the next phase of life. Yeah. So my story is a little bit different in that I've always been in frameworks where there are external factors to measure success, which is Mm. actually something I'm trying to fight against, to be quite frank, because I don't Mm. love it. And Mm. so when it comes to the track career, right? Yeah, you have your times, you have winning, losing, all the things, the medals, and advancing to various rounds, whether it's in college or even in high school. And so that was easy, but it was the same for law, to be honest. You get to law school, what are your grades? Okay, Mm -hmm. what firm are you going to? Are you in the top whatever firm? Okay, you get into the firm, what are your reviews look like? What are Mm -hmm. the clients saying? What are the partners saying about you? things of that nature. What do your billable hours look like? That's actually the biggest factor. How much are you billing? How much are you working? Mm-hmm. And productivity. And so there's a lot of external numbers gotcha. where you can measure your success. And for me, that is actually, and even in podcasting, how many downloads are you? And you know, I'm in the accelerator moving forward with the, as an emerging creator, growing the brand, getting as many downloads as possible is best for the business model, for the company, so I can get monetization, all of that. Yeah. Is it important to sustain yourself? And what it does to me, and I think to maybe some other people, is it makes me focus on things that aren't as important to like my inner peace and my happiness and my joy. Mm. And so I'm actually starting to redefine success. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And that's such an amazing way to look at it. And I love that perspective. And I think at the core is how do you measure success? And I think as athletes, it's very kind of cut and dry as far as like our stats, but success can mean something different to everybody. And it, I think success, not focusing strictly on like the industry that you're in can have like a deeper meaning. And I think it's up to everyone to really find out what that means for them. And so, yeah, very interesting. Thank you for answering that. Yeah. Yeah. So friends, we're going to take a quick break so I can tell you about another amazing podcast and that's Latinx Empower hosted by Thaisa Fernandez, which is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Latinx Empower is a podcast that features interviews with top level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insights from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their careers. I think you'll love a recent episode on toxic positivity in the workplace. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcast. No, I'd love to get to postseason. Tell us about what you're doing, the work you're doing. Yeah, postseason is, is is my baby. It's again, it's very connected to my journey coming out of sports. But postseason is a platform that offers education, community, and wellness support for athletes, truer transition out the game, specifically for now, elite athletes. So that's college and professional, all sports. And 
you know, what it is that we're looking to really create is we're really looking to recreate the support system that exists within the lead athletic organization. So when I started this whole journey, I interviewed 55 former collegiate and professional athletes and I asked them about their transition out of sports, what they wish they had available to them, what were their fears, what were their frustrations. And the main thing I learned through that process is that most of us, and me included, thought that we were the only ones going through it. About 90% of us went through like a, a phase of isolation, like where we felt like no one else can really relate to our experience, what we were going through. We were in these new communities, again, a new language sort of barrier. No one's really speaking how we speak, seeing things the way we see them. And so you kind of feel isolated. And the other is just this sudden loss of support. So coming from like this really, really supportive system where you're given everything that you need to show up and compete at the highest level for your school, for your organization, all of that sort of windows away when you stop playing and it's a sudden shift. And those two elements, I think, are like the main theme that kind of creates a lot of the identity challenges and all the things that happen after the fact. And so what it is that we're really, really honing in on is this sense of community, really trying to eliminate that isolation and create a platform that's made by athletes for athletes and helping us not be isolated, but realizing that all of us are going through something similar. And in that platform, also providing education that's taught by athletes. And so our form of education is like online courses for the most part. And so we'll work with athletes who've made successful transitions into their next phase of life, work with them to translate their success story, work with them to create a course that others can follow, a roadmap that others can follow to achieve a similar trajectory once they stop playing. So as an athlete, you you leave your school or your organization, you're able to jump into this platform, immediately get connected with athletes from all over and have options of different sort of playbooks, <laughs> examples from athletes who have had success in their next phase of life. And you can just really follow their journey. You know, how did they use what made them great as an athlete in their next phase? Where did they go to get support? Where did they go to f- sort of build their next team? Like all of these different questions, you know, we're used to kind of reading playbooks as athletes. And uh, I'm about track. I don't know if y'all had like plays. Or anything. <laughs> no, but I know what they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're used to sort of being given, you know, examples of how to. We're used to sort of we're used to being coached and given guidance on how to be great at it, what it is that we want to do. And so that's kind of the theme behind it: is let's bring the community together, let's provide education, let's provide resources that are able to support them in whatever they need, whether it be you know, psychological resources, financial, having a directory of different resources that are vetted that they can use and tap into to support them whatever way they need. I love that. I love that. I love everything you're doing. And I'm curious if you have advice for people who are transitioning from one career to another one. We do have a lot of athletes who are listeners, but we also just have listeners who might be at a crossroads and they want to make a pivot. They yeah. are on their no straight path journey. Mm-hmm. And so if you have advice for those people, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. I think one big piece of advice that I would give is to not be afraid. Well, fear is a good thing, I think. Fear can often be a good thing and fear can lead you in a lot of great ways. But I would say lean into 
the vulnerability of asking for help. It takes a lot of vulnerability to do that. But if you can reach out to someone that you love or, you know, a mentor, a potential mentor and share with them, you know, what it is that you're looking to accomplish and asking for help is a, is a big thing that, that really transformed my life when I did that. I would also say to consider developing a self-awareness or self-discovery practice. And what that looks like is journaling, getting your thoughts out on paper, having an idea of and becoming aware of what thoughts are in your mind and kind of seeing it in front of you gives a lot more perspective. That was really helpful for me. There's this technique you can do just called, it's a free writing technique, morning pages. There's, I forget what book it was. The Artist's Way is, is a book called The Artist's Way that teaches you how to do it. But mm-hmm. you pretty much, you set a timer, five minutes, 10 minutes, and you just write. And you kind of don't let your analytical mind get in the way. You just let your subconscious put out what's on paper. You may just be writing, I don't know what to say today. I don't have any thoughts today, but you just continue to write. And it just gets you in the process of kind of seeing what's on your mind, becoming more aware of yourself. Meditation is a very, very powerful practice that I do every single day. And that was one of the main practices that helped me get to a a much better space. It's not as simple as uh, me just saying you should meditate more. You know, I would read on it, do research, find a meditation instructor, look on YouTube, because it's not that easy to do unless you learn or you, you get you get reps. Like it's easy for me now because I've done it so much. But I would look to create like a self awareness sort of practice. The last thing I'll say is if you're struggling to the question was if you're struggling to pivot into your next phase of Are, life. Any advice? Yeah, or just advice, even if they're not struggling. <laughs> if they're just thinking about it, they're excited about it, or if they're struggling, yeah, yeah. They're just for that transition because I think transitions can be challenging. Yeah. I would also say to, I talked about this before, but like leaning into that that feeling of fear and discomfort and particularly looking to seek out new experiences that may be a little bit scary for you. It may, it may not have any type of association with what it is that you want to go to. Like for example, like I went and did a an improv class and I had no business being in an improv class and going <laughs> wow. to act. And I also went and did like a public speaking course. And I, I did want to speak, but these are all things that I never thought I would do. And it was really just to kind of get used to being in that sense of discomfort. Cause I think when you transition, you're, you're naturally in a state of discomfort because you're not, you kind of, it's a little bit of uncertainty. I think just leaning into that a bit more, will give you sort of the reps to feel confident that even though you're maneuvering into a new space, that you still have a lot of sort of transferable skills that you'll find yourself using, that you can feel confident that wherever you move into, you can use those transferable skills. Another big one is gratitude. I can't come on here and not mention gratitude because gratitude is, is everything to me. Building out a gratitude practice in your life and being intentional about inserting gratitude in your life and not just like cognitively knowing what I'm grateful for, but really trying to feel gratitude in your body and like visualizing the things that you're grateful for and experiencing it and like really looking to open up your heart space, I think was really healing for me. And what it does is through that journey of uncertainty, through that transitional period, 
there will be ups and downs that are unavoidable, but that sense of gratitude allows you to really appreciate and find the perfection in whatever moment you are in that journey. So you can be in your highest or you can be at your lowest, but if you're able to really hone in on gratitude, you'll be able to find the perfection wherever you're at and learn those lessons so that you can continue to move forward. So those would be my my keys. Wow. I love that. Find the perfection in the journey. Even though there are going to be ups and downs, that's what gratitude will let you do. I love that so much. We're making a little quote for that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I, I also really liked your perspective regarding fear and uncertainty and just actually leaning into that. Like it's not a bad thing. It's a human thing. It's a normal thing. And then it allows you to seek out these new experiences. I love that you did improv. I just love that so much. I did one improv class. That's just like growing up in LA. You do it when you're younger. Like it's a, a thing we all do at some point, but. It was yeah. out of my comfort zone, and it was all a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very just, scary. Yeah, it's very scary. It's very scary <laughs> <laughs> for me. It was it was scary, but I only did one. It wasn't even like a whole improv class. It was like a part of this overall workshop, and you didn't have to do it. But I, I stepped in and say, "I want to try it out," and it was scary. But ultimately, like you said, you get used to those experiences. You get used to feeling that discomfort. It's just you know, it's important. It's important to do because we're always going to we're always going to be as long as we're looking to grow, we're going to find ourselves in positions that are out of our comfort zone. And so it's kind of leaning into that. You start to see the transferable skills that you can take in wherever you go. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of being outside of your comfort zone, you are a tech CEO. Can you tell us, give us advice? Give us the <laughs> entrepreneur's advice, anything oh, wow. that you've learned as a tech CEO on your journey that you think could be helpful for listeners and for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so many, so many lessons. I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is your team is really important and culture is really important. And you have to really trust your gut when you feel something's off with somebody. I'm a very nice person. So it was difficult for me to, even if I noticed like there's something wrong in our culture or a team member may be a little bit off, you know, sometimes you got to really have those difficult questions earlier rather than later, or it can lead to just a cascade of issues. So I would say who you have on your team and your culture and the values that you want to instill to really, 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 really lean into that and make sure that your team knows what that is and everyone's kind of aligned in that way. The other thing that I I learned is to get into the game and to get off the sideline. And we in postseason did not do that effectively last year, in my opinion. As a CEO, as a leader, I would have wanted to get in the game a lot quicker. And what that looks like on our end is you know, we spent majority of our last year building out an app and not having anything in the market and doing a lot of market research. But the entire process, we weren't testing. We weren't out there like testing, failing, getting feedback from real people. We were building things behind the scenes and kind of testing things out in other ways, but we didn't have anything in the market. 
And so that's one thing that we really honed in on at the beginning of this year, 2023, is to put out something that has the basic, basic, basic functions of what it is that we really want to do so that we can start to like really test and really speak to people and hear what they want, what they like, what they don't like, and continue to iterate. So I think just my biggest advice would be to, again, it goes back to kind of that fear of failure in this example, but like putting something out there, failing really fast and learning, iterating, recognizing, okay, if I have this goal or this outcome that I want to accomplish and I go out to do it and I don't get to that outcome, really auditing, like, why did we not succeed in that way? Is it the business plan or is it the people? (laughs) And I think that's the process of like what I've learned through entrepreneurship is like continuing to fail fast and seeing why you failed. I'm still learning every single day. <laughs> so yeah. you could teach me a few things, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I love that. No, I've certainly learned a lot on my No Straight Path podcast, career, entrepreneurial journey. And yeah. it's you learn so much just from experience. It's incredible. And yeah, it also yeah. just makes you realize how capable you are to just go off into another industry and, like you say, learn, fail, iterate, test, do all the things to continue to grow. We're all learning every day. And I am just curious about your role as a husband, as a father, and as a CEO. You know, Do you have any lessons learned, any advice, any thoughts from those journeys that you want to share? Yeah, just balance (laughs) and trying to balance, trying your best to balance. I would say as a father, it's really important, as a parent, it's really important to make the decision to be a parent with someone who you can work with, you know. My wife and I, one thing that we do really well is we work together. You know, we communicate well. We have our challenges, but we definitely are actively looking to communicate. We want to do everything we can for our children. And so being able to be proactive and have your schedules mapped out for the week, being intentional about having your week schedule or your like two-week schedule planned out as much as you can so that you can communicate that with them so that there are no surprises. You know, that's the biggest thing is we don't want to show up on the day of and there'd be like this big surprise like, I have a podcast today. You know, you got both the kids right now. I can't have the kids. You don't want those surprises. And so just over communication is huge. And I think that one thing that really like helped us out is finding time for ourselves, not just individuals, but also as a couple, as a unit. That was a big reason why we moved closer to support so that we could date more and go out, but also Every day of the week, we have four hours of focus time where like, we can leave the house and the other one is meant to be present with the kids, and we balance that. And so I think it's just getting really clear. You know, If you're in a relationship, it's getting really clear on the needs of your significant other and working together to find ways to meet those needs at the same time finding time to take care of yourself. Like for in this season, for example, in this season, my workout time, if I want to be productive in every other area, the time that I have is from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. And so like if I really want to get 
what I want, like my full run, my full lift, all those things. I got to wake up at 4 a.m. So it's just like the sacrifices that you have to make. But it's still super important to find time for yourself, find time to you know be productive, but also over communicate so that you can meet the needs of your significant other and you know balance the best that you can. You lose every day in some way, but you also gain in a lot of ways as well when you learn those lessons. So you just keep learning, keep growing and balance. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think yeah. that's excellent advice. I love the four hours where you give each other that time and how you're just so organized. I love that you are both so intentional and in how dating is super important to continue to do that. So yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, I love <laughs> yeah. love, black love. So Black love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing the kids kids will teach you, because I remember there was a day when I had 24 hours to be able to do what I want or like to get stuff done. And But kids, they teach you how to maximize like the little time that you have. And so I actually get more work done in four hours than I used to get done all day. Just because the mindset is like, I only have four hours and you're just super focused. So I brought that up just because it's, it's very interesting what you can do with a smaller amount of time when you're just super intentional and super focused, right? So, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that, too. I've definitely heard that from the mom's perspective, but I haven't heard it mm-hmm. from a father's perspective on the time. So I mm-hmm. love that. I would love to hear if you have any final thoughts. Please share. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts. I always love the final thoughts. I never come prepared for them, but I always love the final thoughts. What's coming to me right now? I'm looking outside and I see my basketball court that I grew up playing. And I used to like shoot free throws and like visualize myself. I guess I was looking at basketball as well. I used to visualize myself playing the game and shooting basketballs and really like formulating that sense of belief in myself and what I was capable of. Along with gratitude, I would say that belief and training belief is like one of the next most powerful things in terms of getting really clear about what it is that you want in life or who it is that you want to become. And, you know, sometimes that thought can be super scary because you can't really see yourself being that person. But finding ways to train yourself to believe in that version of you is is some of the most powerful, powerful, powerful work that you can ever do. And like one quote that I really love is a quote by Dwayne Wade, where he just talks about how my belief was always like greater than their doubt. And just the more research and the more work that I've done in this path of training your mind, I realized like the real power of belief and how it can be trained and formulated through affirmations and visualization, just getting in the habit of seeing yourself be successful and seeing yourself be that version of you. And so if there were two things that I would tell people to intentionally train in their life and like take like intentionally get reps every single day as much as they can is train yourself to feel gratitude and train yourself to believe in a greater version of yourself. And if you do that, you'll be successful. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share the podcast with friends and family. And my hope is that these stories help you navigate your No Straight Path journey. 
If this content is adding value to your life, and I hope it is, please take a few minutes out of your day to rate the show and write a review. You can click the link in the show notes to write a review. It helps other listeners find the show, and I just really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, embrace the journey, and remember, you're not alone.